Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Red Sox. We'll call it a spring training edition of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. I think we can all agree that hot stove season is over, and we are now uh, in the next phase of our winter show. So we're going to be getting into a little bit of Red Sox rotation talk. Uh, Zip's projections are out as well as the Pakoda projections. Not great numbers for the Red Sox. We'll be getting into that. John Henry submitted some comments to The Athletic uh, via Jen McCaffrey. We will get into that as well. Joining me tonight, Cody Paulson. Cody, how are you? Everybody, how we doing? Good to be back. Been a little while. Um, always great to be able to talk baseball. Uh, you know, I think this is this is kind of the first time uh, throughout the winter where there wasn't as much to talk about as usual. You know, the the hot stove seat seemed to be a little bit more delayed than usual into the winter. Some of those late breaking deals, those signings, kind of carried us through the new year and in, and into the first month of the the new year as well. So, Terry, how are you doing? Doing all right. It's kind of. Just kind of rolling with things, uh, nothing too exciting in my life at the moment, but I, I do kind of like it that way. Just means uh, there's no drama and uh, things are good. Um, so players have all reported at this point. The one hiccup was Jorge El Faro had some visa issues. It seems like every year one player does. This year it was him. Uh, but he has now arrived at camp. The one thing of note, the only real major thing, Brian Bayo had some soreness in his forearm, which in a lot of cases can be a precursor to Tommy John surgery. And basically this is Tommy John season. You know, there, there'll be pitchers across the league in the coming days and, and weeks that'll get the bad news that w their rest over the winter wasn't, you know, what their elbow needed, and they'll go ahead and, and have Tommy John. The second phase of that seems to come in, like, May and June a little bit. And um, so that that's the big scary, Tommy John. So And Bayo, I think we can agree, is the last guy you want uh, to, to possibly, you know, face that type of a, of a surgery. So uh, are you concerned at the moment or no? Um, you know, with it being kind of so early into pitchers and catchers reporting, I think at that point in time, all of the other players hadn't reported yet. Um, the optimist in me wants to not be concerned. You know, they, they've used broad terms at this point in time too, right? Uh, soreness, tightness, uh, discomfort, you know, nothing, um, too specific. And, you know, I, I kind of want to err on the side of caution in that regard. I think I did see, um, you know, some quotes where they, they were confident with, um, you know, keeping him on a pitching program, um, you know, after shutting him down for the weekend, they weren't going to do imaging, and so, you know, the way that they were kind of handling it and, and not shutting him down for a longer period of time already, you know, gives me confidence. Um, you know, he had been spending the offseason working with Pedro as well. So it's not like he had had an idle offseason and was trying to crank it up to 98 out the gate. Um, 
you know, as as you kind of mentioned there, Terry, he is the last guy we can have to, you know, afford to go down for the full year on a on a rotation that's already fragile to begin with. Um, you know, if we were in a better position with the rotation or, you know, if this is another guy that we weren't necessarily hanging a cap on to get 30, 35 starts out of, I think we would be even less concerned. Um, but, you know, just due to the importance and, you know, what he can bring to this rotation, I think that's why we're all a little uneasy, if anything. I agree. You make a lot of good points there. The the reason why this is scary is because he's like the lone bright spot right now of of anybody we have. And if you lose him, you're, it's not just going to be for this season. It's going to be for half of next season as well. And then there's all kinds of precautions that they would take with a player like him. So that would be probably one of the more devastating things that could happen, I would say. And it's very possible Brian Bayo could be the, the ace of your staff this year. Not that I think he's going to pitch to the level of a number one, but I just don't have high expectations for anyone really. Uh, so, so again, it, it just, it would be extremely um, devastating to lose him and he's never had it. A lot of, a lot of pitchers coming up might have it in high school or college at some point. And he's, yeah, just just never has. So um, it appears that the rest of the rotation, we're not hearing we're not hearing anything out of Chris Sale, James Paxton, you know, who are coming off of, you know, injuries from last season. Um, Nick Pavetta, apparently. Well, he did have uh, an illness of some sort. I can't remember if it was COVID again or not, but. Um, but he's just, just a minor hiccup for him. And Corey Kluber, I guess, will be the first starting pitcher that will, um, you know, see game action and that that's expected to be at some point mid to late next week. So any thoughts with any of them? Um, yeah, I mean, just to kind of piggyback off of your Pavetta point, I think uh, it was mentioned that he was recovering from another bout of COVID recently, but he had been, you know, fully cleared by today's uh, health and safety protocols. Um, yeah, because I think, you know, he he threw, what, one pitch and then doubled over and, and they pulled him from whatever his program was, um, which, you know, not a guy that we're particularly excited about as as Red Sox Nation, but kind of a guy that's pretty critical to our staff um, as the way it's currently constructed. He's going to be the swing guy, the four or five um, that goes out there and eats some innings and at least keeps us, you know, relevant and in the game. Uh, you know, I think he got a lot of uh, bad press last season. Um, you know, he had that great maybe six or eight start stretch, uh, you know, where he was absolutely lights out. But at the very least, you know what you were going to get from him. And I think any sort of stability in this rotation is going to be welcome um, with the tumultuous uh, outlook that we currently have. Question, and I we won't debate it at all, just a, just a basic yes or no. Are, are you feeling any desperation to the point where you would make a phone call to Trevor Bauer's agent or should we let it ride? Uh, I I would not call Trevor Bauer. Okay, fair enough. 
Um, I, I probably would, but that's, you know, that's been my stance all along, you know, it just, I, out of pure desperation and, um, just completely unsatisfied with this rotation. I'll I'll put it this way. I mean, even if you could remove all of the static and the noise around, um, you know, the off the field issues, I don't think this team is one pitcher away from being a title contender, right? You know, if we were in a place where, you know, we're projected to get 95 wins, the Yankees are projected 98 and Bauer could be the one that swings. And then maybe we're the favorites in the East and, you know, he makes us a title contender. Then you can potentially deal with some of the backlash. If you know, you're winning a hundred, 105 games where we are. I I just don't think it's worth the the headache that's going to come with it to turn us into, you know, maybe a more interesting wildcard contender. Per se. Well, I'll agree that we are f- further away than the one arm being added. You know, we need more help than that. But, but I just wonder if it's it's got to be in the back of of some people's minds right now as as they look at their own rotations, and um, especially as more injuries and surgeries are going to get announced here. Uh, all right, so let's uh, move forward. Um, projections they all always come out this time of year i think we're still waiting on a lot of the major uh, vegas casinos and sports books and all that to to still come out with uh, where they think the red sox will be uh two two uh, you know projections that you know a lot of people look forward to every year zips and pakoda zips has the red sox winning only 79 games Pakoda, just one more game than that. 80 wins. So we're below 500 with two of them. For what it's worth, DraftKings, as of the other day, I haven't checked since then, they have the Red Sox over and under is set at 77 and a half wins. So they're in the same neighborhood. Is that, are you surprised? Is that about where you know, where you're kind of looking in terms of your own, you know, number in your head? If I had to to pick a number out of my head, I would, I would like to slate us in towards the mid eighties, I think is kind of where we're going to be. You know, I think it's unfortunate that this happens to project to be one of the more difficult uh, divisions in, or one of the more difficult years for the AL East, you know, Baltimore's on the rise, Toronto's up, Tampa's up. New York's up, right? Now, granted, we play them less with the new schedule shift, and we do get to play every team in the league, which I think will help us. Um, I, I think the DraftKings, if uh, if it's available in your state, that seems like easy money. I would have to imagine that we could get to 78 wins. Um, my take on it is they're not wanting to elevate uh, the win total due to the amount of unknowns that we have on our staff, right? Not only are we bringing out a rotation that is coming back from major injuries, but we're also slotting in a bunch of new pieces uh, from the off season. We rotated out a lot of guys from, from last year's roster. And I imagine that they're anticipating that going to take a little bit of time to gel, right? You have a guy like Kike who is, I guess, become the de facto leader in the, in the clubhouse, but we don't know what this team is going to be like, you know, how are they going to, find that groove, find that cohesion and, and kind of get things going, right? Is it going to take a little bit of time for them to find their footing coming out of the gates 
what does that look like? You know, the we have fewer and fewer holdovers each year, uh, few fewer people to to kind of rely on to bring us out of slumps or to keep things going when things are going well. So, in my opinion, that's the reason why the the win totals are below five hundred. Um, I think this is a big Alex Cora year as well. You know, this is this is a team in which you know he does have some flexibility. He does have some lineups and matchups that he can. Uh, used to an advantage. There are some, you know, tools in the shed that he can really flex that managerial brilliance that uh, many have claimed for him to have. So I'd be excited to see how he navigates the season. I've been on record with a very firm number, and that I gave that a month ago. I I have that the Red Sox at seventy four wins. So I think either way for me. It's the the first digit of the win total is going to start with a seven. That, that's just where I'm at. So, you know, I'm always pretty confident in my project uh, in my predictions. I mean, last year I had them at 85 wins. I said they would miss the playoffs at that total. Uh, they did end up seven under that, and um, of course, the year before was a bit of an anomaly. I had them in the seventies as well. And I think we won 92. So that was like, yeah. And it, that season was so crazy. I mean, you had that hot first half and then Perez died off. Richards died off. I think he got injured and it, just the path to that postseason was just so unusual and probably not one we'll ever see again. But, um, but yeah, so I my record is a little bit better though when it comes to will they make the playoffs yes or no and um 2019 I, I didn't have them uh 2020 obviously uh actually I haven't had them making it since since 2018 and and you know three out of those four were correct but uh so not a shock to me that uh the the team you know, just is not widely projected. I will be curious to see who has the highest, who who does potentially have that number 87, number 88 that has them, that, that would likely be a, a sixth seed uh, total. So, um, you know, I think in, in the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll start to get those hard numbers. Uh, also, John Henry uh, had some comments to the athletic. Uh, a couple of the, it was only four questions in, in the Q&A. One of the notable ones was if they regretted how they handled the Xander Bogart situation and what they could have done differently. And Henry's only reply to that was, well, we could have offered him 12 years. So that was a non-answer, basically, in my opinion. Didn't want to touch it. Didn't want to go into it. Gave a very snide, you know, we could have given them 12 years. Here's the interesting one, and I'm going to read this one. It's not It's not that long. Uh, Jen McCaffrey was the athletic writer uh, doing the Q&A with John Henry. She asks him, this was question number four out of four, how do you view the job Heim and the front office have done over the past three seasons with a trip to the ALCS sandwiched between two last place finishes? 
So that's the question that Jen McCaffrey asked John Henry. Here's how he responded. He says, quote, we play in the toughest division in baseball and we haven't gotten the results we're looking for uh, recently with the exception of 2021. No one was happy with our mediocre result last year in our division. If you play 500 ball, you're going to finish last. Now she asked about the job Heim in the front office have done. So what's missing in there to you? If anything. You know, I, I think it's a, you know, we're getting, we're getting speaking bits from a guy that's in between a rock and a hard place. Right. Um, you know, this is, these are the type of stories that make me really glad that spring training is knocking on our door and right around the doorstep. Um, you know, cause we're making something that I, in my opinion, is a non-story into a story. Um, John Henry very rarely talks to the media and oftentimes when he does, most people don't put a lot of stock into it. Um, yeah, he didn't, you know, have a resounding backing of Hein Bloom and, and his performance. But at the same time, you know, he was trying to, I think, win a little bit of favor with with the fan base, right? To make it seem like he's not out of touch and that he's, you know, not on another planet watching this team. Um, my whole opinion on the front office and the Red Sox owner group is it doesn't seem like they're in sync with the direction that they want to go in, right? And, you know, the front office isn't going to come out here and say, hey, flat out, we're not getting it done. We're not signing the right players. And then the owner group is not going to come out and say, well, we don't want to spend money while they increase, you know, prices for tickets and concessions year over year over year, right? So everybody's, you know, trying to point the finger, trying to take the heat off themselves while a team that is backloaded contracts is underperforming. Um, there's no, I don't think there was going to be an answer that he could have given that would have placated or pacified the fan base, Right. You know, if he comes out and backs Bloom, people are going to be like, well, this guy clearly doesn't get it. We've been in the last place, you know, three out of the last four years. And then if he comes out and bashes Bloom, then we're like, well, how's Bloom supposed to succeed if, you know, the ownership group doesn't believe in him? Um, and I think you got a little bit of, of that as well when you you mentioned it with the Bogart answer, right? You know, what's he supposed to say to that? There's no way we were going to offer him 12 years. And I think if we offered him 12 years, everybody would have laughed us out of town. Um, I don't think there was many people that viewed the Bogarts deal in San Diego very well. And so, you know, it's, it's always tough to, to go off of Henry's comments in my own opinion. He has been the most reclusive owner in, in major league baseball the past few years. But for me, what was kind of missing in there is he could have taken the opportunity to endorse Hein Bloom and say, I know things haven't gone our way, but we believe in the plan and he's our guy. And he doesn't even have to believe in that. But, you know, it would have been the, you know, the politically correct thing to say. And especially if you want the media to shut the hell up about it for at least a couple months. And he didn't take that opportunity to do it. Um. Sam Kennedy did come out today, uh, and apparently some of them met with uh, with the media. Cora uh, also did as well. But Sam Kennedy said on Bloom's job security, he says, quote, Heim is our chief baseball officer, and we don't anticipate any changes there. Again, that's a 
that's a very underwhelming response. He could have he could have endorsed Bloom there, and and there just there was nothing emphatic about that statement to me. So the the other thing interesting as well that I I kind of left out in that Q and A, John Henry accuses um, there being a well he he complains about there being a false narrative about this current team and how delusional do you have to be i mean they're getting destroyed right now on social media ken rosenthal tweeted out yesterday with that exact quote from him you know in a in a tweet that you know there's a false narrative and rosenthal has been savage you know to the red sox all winter long just criticizing them over the Bogart situation, Devers as well before the uh, extension. And this is this is the correct narrative. I mean, we just went through the projections. We this team is just not expected to do well. And I just feel like ownership is is handling it in the worst way possible. They're getting less and less credible every time they open their mouths and I, there's no question to me high bloom's job security his job is is on the line here they can't go through another season and then another full winter next year w- with a guy like bloom that's just it's not sustainable and and it's crazy to me I mean, I will say when when Bloom came on, right, the whole point of his plan was was a long term uh, look, right? It was not going to be like a hey, I can spin this around quickly. I can get us from where we are to to championship pedigree in a year or two. I'm not going to be a flash in the pan guy. It's going to be a, a year over year kind of process. And if you look at the projected salary cap or the money that we're you know tied to for next year we're we're middle of the league right that's the flexibility that we're looking for to to be able to spend and i haven't done a deep dive into the free agency market for next year but i sure hope it looks a lot better than the free agency market this year um you know i know that this was one of the years that a lot of the dead cat money came came off the books um but this definitely wasn't the freedom year uh like the chicago bears have right you know number one pick with with over 100 million dollars in salary cap um I don't. I don't view Heim Bloom's um, tenure here at the Red Sox much different than a lot of college football tenures as well. You got uh, a program that has had a lot of success. You know, had a coach that got a little bit this got a little bit stale. You know, felt pretty pretty comfortable. Started recruiting some volatile players, and and you have to change the culture and you have to change you know it from the ground up. I'm a Florida State fan. Um, you know, when Jimbo left the program, the program wasn't in great shape. We hired a culture guy in Willie Taggart and, you know, he did the best that he could, but there was too much to overcome. And, and Willie, unfortunately, had some shortcomings of himself. And now Mike Norvell has had to, to try to figure out how to write the ship amidst all of that. And we're really getting traction in year, I think, three going on four now. And I, I see it as a similar trajectory uh, with with Heim Bloom. You know, maybe the results aren't as as good or as predominant, but these aren't overnight fixes. These aren't quick things that we can do. Um, 
and you know patience is obviously <laughs> a virtue and and something that is is very difficult to give a team especially one that costs as much as the Red Sox do to to go to a game but uh, I mean you mentioned it uh, the ownership group is is losing I think confidence and favor with the fan base each time they talk about something because it, it seems like we're watching two different things on the field Since you brought it up, I mean, I hadn't looked at it either. I do have the list in front of me now. Um, there are, I guess, some interesting free agents uh, going into next year. Max Scherzer will be the headliner of next year's uh, free agent deal. And any names I'm about to mention are, are assuming that nothing gets reached you know, during this season because extensions often do uh, take place. One guy I highly doubt ever gets to the market next year, Shohei Otani. I think the Angels will pay him some ungodly number, and that'll be the end of that. Um, some other names out there, Marcus Stroman, Javi Baez, if he opts out. Clayton Kershaw will once again be a free agent. N Curiously, he was just taken off the WBC roster. Yeah, they said they couldn't figure it out, but then didn't didn't touch else on that. You know, it didn't seem like an injury thing. It was strange. Yeah. So we'll have to check on that. Uh, Yasmani Grandal, that would be an interesting upgrade. Excuse me. At catcher, uh, Michael Conforto will reenter free agency next year. Charlie Blackman, who I've always loved, probably not at this point, but uh, he'll be a free agent. Cody Bellinger. Uh, will be a free agent once again. Uh, let's see, Eduardo Rodriguez, he must have an opt-out in his deal that I was not aware of. Uh, those are some names, so I wouldn't call this uh, an overwhelmingly robust uh, free agent. Well, actually, now that I scroll down, um, Lucas Giolito will be a free agent, Aaron Nola. So apparently you just got to dig uh, a little bit further on this list. Um Going down super fast right now, but still, again, uh, not uh, you know, it's not going to be a super robust market. Certainly not like this year's, especially with the um, the middle infielders that were available. And I, I thought this year had a decent starting pitching market um, as well. So, um, if things go the way things are projected, it's going to be another GM. Uh, you know, making these decisions. So uh, it'll be pretty interesting. Um, so I guess we can probably wrap on that um, projections and uh, public relations were the, were the theme of the last, um, you know, 24, 48 hours uh, as things develop. We could be back. I, I don't know if we'll squeak out a second show this week necessarily, but I think all the the rest of the weeks for the rest of spring training will uh, will have at least two shows, and uh, when the season starts, we'll be back to four shows every week. So for anyone who uh, hated the long layoff that we had, I, I think it was at least two or three weeks. Um, we won't uh, have another one like that until probably next January or February. So. Uh, appreciate you coming on, Cody. Hopefully everybody is having a good uh, start to their week. And um, maybe we'll see in a few days. If not, uh, certainly no later than the end of the weekend. Take care.